Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 40, The Mystery of Heaven, Part 6. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the podcast that talks about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. Isn't that right, Zena? That is very true. I'm here with the Warrior Princess again. <laughs> this is part six yes. of the Mystery of Heaven. So remember when we finished part five, I thought, I think I have too much left to do. You did say that. To talk about. So I do believe we're going to end up with seven episodes here. That's okay. I think they'll enjoy it. I hope so. And since we decided seven was the number of completion, it kind of works out. Yes. Right? <laughs> and interestingly, this is episode 40. So that means if we do another seventh installment of the Mystery of Heaven, we'll be at episode 41. So the following episode is number 42, which everybody knows number 42 is the secret to everything, right? Yes. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Oh, <laughs> that was from a, um, a book called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it was this really wild, they turned it into a movie. Uh -huh. I even went to high school with a guy that wrote the screenplay for that. Really? It's really a good movie. <laughs> yeah. But 42, that was the secret to everything, you know. Okay. So I I'll remember that. When I turn 42, <laughs> I will know everything. That's right. When you turn 42. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to wrap up with the mystery of heaven. And we're going to go into today a little bit about we're coming back. So when I say we, we've talked about how we that are called the saints, the righteous, those that God delivered from the wrath to come, he's going to take us out of this world in that event people refer to as the rapture. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to come back. Okay. And when we do, his wrath is going to be poured out, and then we're there at the final when he returns himself to be a part of that judgment. Okay. So we'll have bodies, and we're going to come back in these bodies that are basically... They're like spiritual glorified bodies like Christ's body. And we talked a little bit about the kind of bodies we're going to have in the new heaven and the new earth. Yes. Well, this is even before that, but we'll be on the earth. So we've talked about heaven as, you know, people imagine as we're floating around on a cloud. But in reality, you're very much a physical person. You know, you have uh, flesh and bone, as Christ said he had. So the verses that we're going to start with are in Second Thessalonians, one of Paul's epistles. 2 Thessalonians and chapter 1, just to give our listeners uh, evidence of the fact that we're coming back. He says in verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And I just try to imagine that, you know, Christ coming back with all the angels. Yeah. That's going to be a, a spectacular thing to see, you know. And then he says, rest with us 
so will be with him because he says he comes back with his angels in verse 8 in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe in that day. I'll cut to the chase. So he comes back the day of his return, and he brings his punishment with the angels and all that stuff that happens there, all the vengeance. But we'll be there, and the world will, will admire him through us. So we're going to have visible bodies. They're going to see us. They're going to see us in our glory, which is his glory, but we, we're, we're a part of that. And, and one of the reasons why we're a part of that is because it's promised that we get to participate. Okay. All the way back in the Psalms. So we go to Psalm 149. So this is what you're speaking on is when Jesus comes back with his army. With his army, and then we are with him. I don't believe we are the army, because when he talks about his mighty angels, and I'm not trying to put down the body of Christ, but if I had to choose between me as a fighter or an angel as a fighter, I wouldn't choose me. Right. I, I agree. I'm like, no, it's cool. I don't want to do that. So I don't believe that we're there to fight the battle. Okay. He and the angels do that. They're the only ones that are righteous enough to judge properly. But our judgment is with him in that sense. Like we're like his support group. We're the we're the audience cheering it right. on. <laughs> we're his <Or> cheerleaders. <laughs> something. But we're a part of the judgment because... Psalm 149, verse 4 says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And that two-edged sword is always a reference to the word of God. Okay. So the Bible itself is that sword. And then he says this, verse 7, To execute vengeance upon the heathen, which are the nations, and punishments upon the people, which is Israel, the, the Christ-rejecting Israel, the unbelieving Israel, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Fetters are like you know, things to res restrict you, you know. And the kings and the nobles there would be the satanic global elite, mm -hmm. right, the leaders. And then he says to execute upon them the judgment written because God has already told them and warned them that he was coming if they don't repent. And then the final uh, phrase says, this honor have all his saints. So we have the honor to be a part of that judgment, to be a part of executing that judgment. And um, he even, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul even said, we have this, you could call it responsibility or you could call it designation either way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, another New Testament book, uh, but notice in verse 2, he says, do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? He was kind of rebuking the local assembly there because they weren't judging an issue that was going on right there in the little flock of however many people were meeting. Yeah. And they're, they're squabbling and fighting amongst each other. They can't settle their problems. And he's saying, do you realize you're going to judge the world? You can't solve the smallest matters here. And then he says, no, you're not that we shall judge angels. What does that mean? Well, think about the angels that sinned and joined Lucifer in rebellion. Oh, okay. We're going to judge them. Okay. What irony 
that dirt people that God made, yeah. Adam, right, from the dust of the earth, are going to judge the angels who were higher in might and glory than us, but ultimately will be the ones saying, sorry, you didn't follow the word of God. Yeah. Into the lake of fire you go. Oof. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, that stinks. Yep. So he says, if, you, if we're going to judge angels, how much more things that pertain to this life? So it's sort of a, a way for Paul as an apostle to tell the church there to grow up. Start acting like men and women because you've got a greater responsibility ahead of you. you know? Yeah. So who are these saints? Who are these people that are going to make up the body of believers that are going to be involved in the judgment? Not necessarily the fighting, since he's got angels for that. Yeah. Right. But they're going to be involved, and we refer to a passage where Christ had said before he died in John chapter fourteen that there were other sheep I have that are not of this fold. And a fold is like a portion of the flock. So, and I, I imagine, you know, we've talked about before how you can have like a gaggle of geese or a pride of lions or yeah. whatever. I think it's called a murder of crows or something oh like that. Oh my goodness, that is not nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but the fold somehow pertains to sheep. And it's like he was saying to the 12 who were there with him, you're some of my sheep, but I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I'm going to bring them too. And we'll probably read that later in, in the Gospel of John, but we're going to start by just designating that there's more than one fold of the total flock of sheep. Do you think the other folds are in, is it Abraham's bosom? One of them definitely is. Okay. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we're going to find out that it looks to me like one group of sheep are in Abraham's bosom, another group is going to be the ones that go up in the rapture. Okay. We, it would see, we would say us, if, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. And then there's two others that are interesting. Really? Yeah. So let's look at those. So okay. first, he says in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, we know that that's when there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that's when God's going to come down and he's going to dwell with men. So it appears that's the point at which he gathers together in one all things. So all the folds come together into one flock. And I'll just read the passage just to remind my listeners, but we've read it several times. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. And I, saw, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And, of course, so this is after everything's said and done, after the seven years of tribulation, after the thousand-year reign of Christ, and when there's a new heaven and a new earth. And so when all this comes down and the city comes down is when he says, well, he writes, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So he's going to be here with all men, and that's going to match the prophecy that the Apostle Paul wrote about us gathering together all things in Christ. So we to, to read that, we go back to Ephesians. I think we've talked about this before too, but this is a refresher. In chapter 1 of Ephesians in verse 9, Paul writes, Having made known to unto, unto us the mystery of his will. So what is the mystery of God's will, right? Yeah. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. And here's the mystery. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times. And remember, we've talked about that word dispensation. It's not a common English word. But you know the word dispense. Yes. So if, if we said Halloween, we're going to dispense candy from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. 
then the dispensation of candy is two hours long. Okay. Right? You know, for, for whatever. So a dispensation of the fullness of times up would seem to imply that there's going to be a point in which all time has been fulfilled, all prophecies and everything else. And when he does that, it says he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So we know then that he's going to gather together in one all things in Christ. So there's at least two groups. Both implies two. Mm -hmm. He mentions heaven and earth. So that's at least two locations. And then he says, in whom also we've obtained an inheritance. And we've talked about the inheritance is that city. Abraham looked for an inheritance. He looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. So it looks like the gathering place is going to be the new Jerusalem. In my mind, I don't see it as we're limited and we stay there. We never leave it because there's a new heaven and there's a new earth. And we're going to be exploring all that too. Yeah. But I think of, and pardon me for being... A, a boy, <laughs> you know, but when I was a kid, we were fascinated by King Arthur and the round Knights of the Round Table. So I think of like the city is sort of like Camelot, where the knights gathered. Yeah. And then Arthur said, here's our new quest. And then they all went out. You know? <laughs> so maybe it's going to be something yeah. like that. Maybe that's a type of that. But whatever it is, at least two groups. Okay. Now, earlier I mentioned the, sh the folds and the different sheep there. Yes. Well, I think I mistakenly said John 14. It's actually John chapter 10. So we'll go there and we're going to read the words that Christ said. So I'm not going to read the whole section here because he talks about being the sheep, the door to the sheep fold, which is where the sheep are kept. And he's the good shepherd. Yeah. So we kind of know that. We don't need to get into all those details, but I'll skip down to verse 11 when he says, or rather, um, Verse 14, when he says, I am the good shepherd, this is Christ speaking, and know my sheep and am known of mine. Now, he's not literally talking about sheep. He's talking about people. And he's referring to them as sheep. Like the disciples? Yes. Okay. And so sheep seems to imply either those who are righteous or those who he's seeking to become righteous. You know, whereas there's another... Uh, picture he gives of gathering all the nations in a judgment and sheep are set on the right hand, but goats are on the left. So for some reason, the goats are the bad guys. Yeah. I don't know what it is about goats that puts them on I the like wrong goats. side. I <laughs> goats are cute. But sheep are the ones that are the object of God's attention and the goats are the ones that rebelled against him. So maybe there's stubbornness or something. Okay. Know? Maybe, maybe there's something like that. But he says, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep, and am known of mine, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And of course, he's prophesying of his death that he would die. But then verse 16 is where it gets interesting. He says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So the one fold or, or flock, if you want, ultimately one gathering, would seem to match what Paul was talking about in the dispensation of the fullness of times is going to gather together in one all things in Christ. Some things are going to be on the earth at that time. Some things are already be in heaven at that time. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at at least four different groups or folds that I can see in Scripture. And the thing they have in common is that the folds, whoever would be a part of the sheepfold, if you will, must be someone that has been redeemed because Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. So redemption is like bought with a price. What was the price? His blood. He died 
for the sins of the world. So everybody that is in Christ in one of those folds, whoever is a sheep, must be redeemed. So we're going to look at who's redeemed. All right? So I see four examples. We'll start in Acts chapter 20. Okay. Okay, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. It's Paul speaking, and he's actually talking to a group of elders of some churches in Asia. And he's passing through, and he's saying, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, but I'm meeting with you one last time because you're not going to see me again. Because he knows that they're going to arrest him, and he's going to stand trial. And he, eventually he was executed you know, by, by Rome, by uh, Caesar, Nero. Poor Paul. <laughs> yeah. So he was put to death. They cut his head off in Rome. Oh, my goodness. Right. But he was on his way back to Jerusalem where he needed to do one more thing, but he knew he was going to get arrested there. The Spirit had already told him, you're about to go into a lot of trouble here, Paul. So he was bringing all the elders together, and he was giving them some final words of what he wants them to keep doing after he's gone. And one of the things he says in verse 28 is, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves as, as leaders, as bishops or whatever, pastors, and to all the flock, sheep, right, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So purchased, redeem, redemption, same, same thing. It's a financial transaction. So he's basically saying that you are elders overseeing the church right now. The group of believers that Paul had established and other men and women who went out preaching the truth and they established churches is that makes up the body of Christ. They're called the church of God, and we know they're redeemed based on the statement. Mm -hmm. So that's one group. They're on the earth now and still are, I mean, except the ones that have already died. Then, just to make sure we drive the point home, uh, the point home about us right now, where we were just reading about the dispensation of the fullness of times and the mystery of his will, right before he said that, he wrote in verse 7 of chapter 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I wanted you just to see that redemption means purchased, and the purchase is his blood. Okay. So that's how we can see that the blood ties into everything. Incidentally, there are modern Bible versions that do their level best to remove all reference to blood in the Bible. Why is that? Because they don't want the truth to be known. Uh, there's, there's the Hydra <laughs> got into Bible translation too. Satan and his angels are involved in that too. There's some corrupt Bibles out there. My goodness. Yeah, he's bad. He's a bad guy. So, uh, and I mentioned Hydra. I'm going to explain to the audience at some point what <laughs> that is, you know, but let's not chase that rabbit trail right. just yet. Now, there's another group. Now, you think about, for example, you mentioned earlier the disciples as the mm -hmm. sheep, and they certainly were. And that group of disciples that we know already from what we studied before were all Jewish, and they were the ones that Christ said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So remember how we talked about his original ministry, if you will, Jesus, was to reach Israel, and it was a national salvation program. It was prophesied. He's the Messiah. He came to his own. They rejected him. They said, crucify this man. We don't want him to reign over us. So when they crucified him, we are now to that point in time where, like you stated a week or so ago, God's waiting for Israel to acknowledge their offense yeah. and make their confession, mm -hmm. right? And then he'll acknowledge them as a people again. But at the time, he was still dealing with them as a people. 
So in 1 Peter chapter 1, and Peter being one of the 12, actually wrote these words in verse 18. And he said, For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed, there's the word again, and he writes to those specific Jewish national believers here. That's who he's addressing. Ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold uh, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, which was the, the law of Moses. You were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so there's that picture of the importance of the blood because that there was a Jewish feast that they kept in the Old Testament called the Passover. You've heard of that, yes. right? And that's where they would kill a lamb and strike the blood of the animal on the doorposts, you know. And it was a picture of Christ who would come later. And then they would roast it with fire and eat it overnight with their clothes on, on the shoes on their feet, and they had to stand up. And that was because that was the night when God would deliver them out of Egypt, but it was a picture of something else. So he's referring back to that when he mentions the lamb and everything else. But he's, and you can see more of the, the tradition, you can see more of the Jewish aspect of it here because yeah. he writes to Jewish believers. Mm -hmm. Whereas Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles. He himself was Jewish, but he was sent to Gentiles. So now we see two different groups here. The original church the starter church, if you want to, mm -hmm. was the Jewish national people that would become the true priesthood of God. The nation rejected Christ, and then they turned and rejected the twelve. So God set his attention on Paul, who went forth to the nations. And so that body became uh, a part of the same collective, if you will, all the sheep, mm -hmm. but they were a separate fold. Okay. So when he said, other sheep I have that are not of this fold, that's at least one of them. But as I mentioned earlier, I've found four different folds of redeemed saints in the Bible. So that's two of them. Let's go see if we can find some other redeemed individuals. Okay. So for that, we go to the book of Revelation chapter 4. Now, do they still practice Passover? The Jews do. Okay. Absolutely. And they, they still only see its significance as the night when the Lord delivered them out of bondage in Egypt. They don't see the picture that that was the deliverance of Christ taking them from the bondage of the law. Okay. That being because they don't yet recognize Christ. They don't believe he's come yet. They're still waiting for Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. I'm talking about the tr traditional Jewish people today. Okay. They see him as you know, he has not yet arrived. Okay. Okay. So I think that <laughs> when he does arrive in the second coming, this is my opinion, he will appear, and there's going to be no mistaking he's the Lord. And it's at that point Israel's going to go, oh, wow, he was that guy all along, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And because it says they're going to look upon me whom they have pierced, like with a sword or with nails, and they will mourn for me as one mourns for his only son. So there's going to be a mourning in Israel amongst the believers because they're going to realize that all the 2,000 years they could have had the priesthood and they could have had the relationship with God, but they rejected the one by whom <laughs> they could have that relationship. You know. But anyway, back to Revelation chapter 4, when John was in heaven writing about the things he sees in God's throne room in the third heaven, he says, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. Remember, we've talked about them before. Yes. We don't know who these guys are. The four and twenty elders, there's no names given to them. Mm -hmm. But I know they're people because he says they're clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold. So they're reigning with Christ. And then if we go to um, 
chapter 5, just a little bit further down in verse 8, they appear again. It says, when he had taken the book, there's a book that the lamb takes out of the hand of God, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song saying, so here's the four and twenty elders singing a song, and here's the lyrics, thou art worthy to take the book, the lamb, Christ, and to open the seals thereof, when he opens the seals, the wrath falls on the earth. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us. Well, the tw- four and twenty elders were redeemed. Yeah. So they must have been human beings. Okay. Has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So they represent humanity somehow, not just Israel, let's say. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So we talk about gathering together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. These guys are in heaven right now. Yeah. Or at least they're in heaven when John goes up to write this. Now, are the elders, are they Jewish or could they be Gentiles as well? Well, since he says they're redeemed out of every kindred, tongue, and people and nation, the implication would be that they're out of they're all of them. Okay. They represent one of them could be Jewish, but I would think that they're probably nations, you know, different nations. And I don't know which ones because we don't know who they are. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Hmm. You know, but it's just so interesting to think, why is there a representative of 24 nations, so to speak, there? And what is that specific privilege? Who's that going to be, you know? And it makes me wonder, like, could it be that these are going to be individuals like maybe Abraham is one? Maybe Noah is one. Maybe Adam is one. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, something like that. You know, maybe Job. I don't know. Uh, and and uh, because we don't, Adam wasn't Jewish. Noah wasn't Jewish. Abraham wasn't Jewish. People think that he was, but he was actually a Syrian, and he he got circumcised. But when God called him, he was uncircumcised. You know, so there wasn't such thing as a Jew mm-hmm. until Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob is Israel. 
and Israel begat 12 sons, and those became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those tribes, one of those sons' name was Judah. Christ came from the tribe of Judah. And the term Jew is a, is a colloquialism of Judah. Okay. Okay, so Jewish, Jewishness, all that stuff uh, is related. So it sort of became as they were sort of the main tribe, if you will. In fact, the southern region of Israel was known as Judea and Eudea was the was the Greek version of that. So it would have been Jew was derived from that. So it's kind of like if everybody had a southern accent like we do here in Texas, <laughs> people could ask you, where are you from? And you would say, uh, I'm from America. If they're from another country, where are you from? I'm from America. And they would say, oh, is it Texas? And you would think, you know, there's 50 states. Why would you say Texas? Yeah. Because our accent, right? That makes sense. They know where we're from. So it kind of bears a similarity to that in, in a sense. It's because we're so sweet here. True. And our tea is too. It is very true. <laughs> and so is our barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in Revelation chapter 7, uh, there's a group. Now watch this one. Oh, I can just scroll up here. Get there faster. I was close by. <laughs> verse um, 9 says after this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands now we've talked about this group before it kind of sounds a little bit like the, the elders but it's a great multitude which no man could number it's not 24 it's something nobody knows. Mm -hmm. So we believe that's the body of Christ. That's the basically everybody that got saved from the beginning of the ministry turning from Israel to the Gentiles. So we were starting with like Paul. Okay. And going forward till the rapture. I believe this is the event of the rapture after it's done. We go up. John looks back into heaven and goes, where'd you guys come from? You know, And it's this great multitude. And if you skip down to verse... 13, one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And it's like he was saying to John, Who are all these great multitude, and where did they come from? And John doesn't know. His answer is verse 14. I said to him, Sir, thou knowest. <laughs> At least he was being honest. Yeah, you've been there longer than I have. Right? <laughs> I don't know. So you tell me. You tell me. That's right. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they're redeemed. It's the same thing Paul had said about us earlier, but now here they are in heaven. Mm -hmm. So now we've got one group in heaven that seems to have already been there, the elders, joined by the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years, everybody that's been a part <laughs> of that. And then if we back up in that chapter, remember we talked about the number 144,000. Yes. And now you, you briefly mentioned a little bit last week about your upbringing being Jehovah's Witness. And mm -hmm. I know that number is significant to you. The 144,000 was something that the Jehovah's Witness preach a lot about. And I think the whole group may have started, and I forget if this is accurate or not, so my apologies to anybody if I'm mistaken. But I think there was a teaching in the beginning that they were the 144,000. Yeah. Does that sound about right? That does. Which is odd to me now that there's millions of Jehovah's Witnesses. So Yeah, there are literally everywhere. <laughs> so how do you narrow that down? Who gets to be the 144,000? <laughs> um, me. <laughs> <laughs> But what's interesting is they, they were claiming that designation, but here those people are. That is an accurate number, but it's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when we talked about 
that national salvation program that was sort of put on hold because they rejected Jesus, when they make their confession and acknowledge their crime, so to speak, and God starts to deal with them as a nation, that's about the same time this multitude goes out. Because we, as the body of Christ today, which is predominantly Gentile, are not qualified, if you will, I'll use that word, to reach national Israel with the message that the 12 taught. So 12 disciples taught the nation and their message was rejected. One man was called to go to the Gentiles, Paul, and that message was accepted. It's getting rejected more and more as time goes on. True. Which means we're leading close to the time of the event of the rapture. But ultimately, when we leave this world, that's when it coincides with Israel saying, hmm, maybe we were wrong all along. And they turn back to God. So God starts to deal with them nationally again. Well, these Gentiles were not suited to serve him to reach them. Mm -hmm. He's got 144,000 Jews set aside okay. for that purpose. And it makes me wonder where they're going to come from. Do you think at least 24 of them are going to be the elders that were up in the third heaven? It's possible, but I think it's a separate group. Okay. My opinion would be it's a separate group. Because I think that if the elders come from every nation, and these are specifically said to be of the tribe of Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manassas, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zabulon, Joseph, and Benjamin, the 12 tribes of Israel there, uh, with some modifications, of yeah. course, because of the timing of it. Mm -hmm. But none of those seem to be indicated amongst the elders, you know. And since there's 12 tribes and 24 elders, Something has to be going on. I'm not taking away from the possibility of some Jewish involvement in the elders. There's got to be, I think, mm -hmm. since two, 24 is 2 times 12, right? Maybe it's two <clears throat> elders per tribe. It could be. But again, since they're from every nation, uh, they're not just limited to be Jewish. So okay. that could be one of the nations represented, I'm mm -hmm. thinking. Or maybe it's just these guys here. So the 144,000 is 12 times 12, 144, 12,000 times 12. And um, they're from every, the 12,000 from each tribe. So how are they going to know? I mean, how would, I mean, you can trace your lineage back pretty close. You, mm -hmm. know? you can go back and say, okay, my ancestors came from here, from there. But can you get down to which one of the 12 tribes you're from? Because we're talking, we can go back maybe four or 500 years if we're lucky. Yeah. Really, really lucky because records are not that accurate, you know, mm -hmm. for things. And for some, it's harder than others, you know. But 4,000 years, 5,000 years, you're going to go back and be able to say, yes, I'm from the tribe of Levi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because your last name might be Levitt, you know, <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean you're truly a Levite, That's you true. know. Because a person could have been born in Germany, mm -hmm. and they came over. I, for example, I know a guy, and his last name is Panther, like the cat. That's weird. His great-grandparents came over from Germany to Ellis Island, where they wrote down all the immigrants coming in, right? And they would document them. Well, their name was Pander in German. Pander. And when he said that to the English uneducated guy writing it, you know, the American. What's your last name? Ponder. I don't know how to spell that. Don't put Panther. 
You're now Panther. <laughs> so he gets the coolest name. Yeah, so he's great. His name is Todd Panther. <laughs> so that's the coolest name in the world. But it, it became as a result of, so in other words, he's not really a Panther. Mm-hmm. He's a Pondare or whatever, however you say it in German. You know. <laughs> however it goes. You got it. So the bottom line is, you know, we could have, my last name is Mitchell, but was Mitchell the original way they said it, you know? Probably not. It literally means son of Michael. You know, so maybe the original name was Michaels, the Michaels. You mm-hmm. know. Who knows? So anyway. <laughs> That's funny. I got off track a little bit, and Zena's <laughs> here to keep me focused. She's like, move it along here, Scott. <laughs> so anyway, you've got these tribes, and it says, if we go down to verse um, 3, that we were in chapter 7, uh, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we've sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and it was 144,000. Later on, they show up in chapter 14 of Revelation, and we find out they're no longer on the earth. They're now in heaven. Okay, so what happened? Well, verse 1, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000. So it's the same group. It's the same number, and they're all Jewish. These I know are Jewish. I'm unclear about the elders, but I know these guys are because they read the tribes. And it says, having his father's name written on, in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And I just love to say that. Harpers harping with their harps. It just sounds like a tongue twister. It is definitely a tongue twister. <laughs> and it says they sung a new song, as it were, a song before the throne. And that's probably the verse where people get the idea that you're just sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. Yeah. You know. Unfortunately, it's only 144,000 that are going to be singing this song. So not us. Not us. And the song says, no man could learn it but them. And it says, these were redeemed from among men, in verse 4, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. So they were redeemed from the earth. They were, they were taken off the earth and they went up to heaven. They actually have their own rapture. It happens in the middle of the seven years. The rapture of the body of Christ happens before the seven years begins. Mm-hmm. So there's more than one rapture. Now, we got time to talk about rapture versus resurrection. Because when we go up to be with the Lord in the rapture, whatever rapture it is, ours before the seven years begins, the 144,000 in the middle of the seven years, they, some are going to go without dying, all right? The ones that have already died in Christ will rise first, then we join them. We've talked about the rapture before. Mm-hmm. These don't die at all. They just all go up in the rapture. But they're changed because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So all of us, if the rapture were to happen tomorrow, our flesh and blood would have to be changed. We'll take on that new form. Flesh and bone, maybe without blood, something different, something eternal, you know, something that won't ever age or die or mm-hmm. whatever. But some that have already died come up out of the graves, and it's a resurrection, okay? And for Israel, evidently, they participate in what the Bible refers to as the first resurrection. So not everything is, all resurrections aren't the same. You could say the rapture is a resurrection, because the dead in Christ are going to rise first, but they're going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. But it's different than this resurrection we're about to read about. So let's read that one. Look in John chapter 6. So we go back to the Gospel of John and verse 39. And this this is the Father's will which hath sent me, Jesus is speaking, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again 
at the last day. So rise again, raised again, is resurrection. That's from the dead. Mm-hmm. You know? People also use the term, you've heard this term, I'm sure, in your lifetime, born again. Yes. As a Christian, I'm a born again Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what they really are saying is, and they use it from a spiritual application. I'm not trying to be critical. But technically, born again is born again from the dead. So it's really literally resurrection, you know, new birth, the regeneration. So when a person says, I'm a born-again Christian, what they really mean to say is, I spiritually identify in my resurrection, but it hasn't taken place yet. I'm actually physically sitting here talking to you. Okay. I haven't died yet and been born again. You know? So it's a, it's a technical thing, but I say it just to clarify. When we talk about resurrection, we're talking about the resurrection. Okay. Know, the actual physical raising up. And that's what he meant here when he said, I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then he saith, I came down from heaven? So they're like, we know this guy. How can he be talking about as though he came from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, I can draw you towards him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So twice he mentions the resurrection in the last day. And then if we skip on down to verse 53 of the same chapter 6, he says... Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And when he said that, even disciples went, I don't know about this. Not the 12, but the other disciples stopped following him after that point. Because it sounded like, what are you, Dracula? You know, they, they didn't get it. They didn't understand what he meant. Eating my flesh and drinking my blood was not cannibalism. He was referring to believing in him. And I being identified in his death, burial, and resurrection. So even today, when people in certain churches take communion, they eat bread or a wafer or something, whatever they call it, uh, symbolic of the body of Christ, and they drink wine, symbolic of the blood of Christ. And he explained that at the Last Supper when he passed bread and wine, and he told them, this is my body, this is my blood. And it was all symbolic. It was all a picture of it. Well, until he explained it to the 12, if you said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, <laughs> you'd, you'd run. I mean, that yeah. seems weird, right? You know, what's the weird thing about that is, um, so I went to a Baptist church, and they would do that, and, like, you know, everyone took a piece of bread, and it was just kind of, like, more like uh, grape juice. Yeah. It wasn't really wine. But whenever I would go to the Kingdom Hall with, like, the Jehovah Witnesses, no one ate the bread, and no one drank from the glass. Hmm. Like you just continued to pass it around. Like no one ever ate from ate the bread. No one ever drank. Oh, interesting, right? Which I didn't know it, that's the way they did a communion. That's interesting. Yeah. And 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 it's kind of what do they call it? It's the uh, Eucharist. It's like a they they make like a whole day out of it. Gosh, I think it just it it comes in October. Oh. Darn! So I wish I knew the name. But yeah, okay. it, it was always so weird because I always just thought like why. You know, like when I would go to the Baptist church, why are we allowed to eat the bread here and drink the grape juice here? Yeah. But at the Kingdom Hall, we weren't allowed to eat the bread hmm. or drink it. And they would always say, like, if uh, Jesus said something to you, then, you know, go ahead. But no one would ever 
do it. So How I, interesting. So I was just like, okay, well. So then when I started going to the Baptist church, I would, they would they would get offended that I wouldn't like eat the bread, and I was like. Be- where, where I went to beforehand, it, it wasn't allowed. So You're I'm like, like, damned if you do, damned if yeah. you don't. Yeah. So I was like, what What do I, like, do I, do I not? I don't know. And so. How funny. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, with a statement like we just read that Christ said, um, if you don't eat uh, my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. You could see where confusion might come in. Yeah. But he, he had said right before that, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of his bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So it's all symbolism. He's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And he went on to explain a little bit more. He said, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up to the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. So obviously that sounds weird. It sounds yeah. like, like, you know, I think maybe when they wrote, uh, when Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, he's probably making a play off of this, you know, yeah. uh, in, a, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it, it comes down to saying is he's the bread of life. It was his flesh when he died. It's, it's accepting him as your substitute in death, burial, and resurrection is, is what that means. So when we talk about... The last day, the last day, there seems to be a set day in which those that have partaken in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, those who have accepted him as Lord, will be raised up. And since this in the book of John is him reaching out to the Jewish national plan, it would imply that he's still talking about a resurrection for Israel. Mm-hmm. So we see it in Revelation 20. That is really interesting about the the communion. Yeah, there. so I was just like, I was always so confused. I'm like, mm-hmm. do I or do I not? Do I or do I not? <laughs> and I thought, oh, maybe it's because I'm not baptized, so I can't have this. But then I'm like, everyone around me here is baptized, so why aren't you guys eating it? Religion has so many rules and rituals. It does, does. Yeah. and so and it wasn't confusing. supposed to be that way. Religion yeah. is man-made. The Bible is the word of God, but men have taken it and twisted it to their own yes. devices. Well, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, we read, and this is after the Lord comes back, and we've been there, the mighty angels, the vengeance, and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and there's judgment there. I saw thrones, they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Now, the thrones and the judgment was given unto them, and whoever they are, I believe would match uh, Revelation 21 when Christ said to the 12 apostles, Ye which have followed me in the regeneration... When the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, shall sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So this would appear to be the fulfillment of that promise, that those 12 apostles are going to be, there's a hierarchy of like God the Father, God the Son, uh, King David, you know, and then the 12 apostles over the tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's so. So those thrones, I would, I would guess, are 12. And then he says, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So evidently there's a resurrection here. The twelve appear, somehow it seems, and then everybody that died in the time of tribulation in the seven years, you know, for Christ's sake, they come back. And it says they live and reign with Christ a thousand years. That's how long the day of the Lord is. But verse 5 says the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. 
Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with them a thousand years. So since they're priests of God and of Christ, I would argue these are strictly Jewish believers. Okay. And they're going to be a part of the nation. It's the national program restored finally to their place that they're supposed to be. A priesthood over all the nations, with the 12 over them, with David as their king, with Christ over him, and on and on. And so it's the first resurrection. And he said, blessed is he who has part in that, on such the second death has no power. Well, the second death we, we talked about last time was that great white throne judgment when those whose names are not written in the book of life end up in the lake of fire. Yes. All right. And so there's a final resurrection, but we're going to stop here and we're going to talk about that for our final episode of the mystery of heaven. Because dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> all this pertains to heaven, which is basically, as we've talked about already, the new earth, the new heaven, and the new Jerusalem. That's heaven. That's what we're all going into. Yes. So we'll stop here and thank you so much for your time today and for joining us. Yes. Thank you guys always. Thank you for all of the subscribers we are getting. Um, it's beautiful that you guys want to learn more about God and his word and Amen. everything that he has and everything that he has to offer for us. Um, if you have any questions, please do not hesitate to comment down below. Let us know something new that you've learned. Please share with a family member, like, and as always, have a beautiful week. Amen. Thanks again, Zena. Of course. And thank you all for listening. Have a Bye, guys. Week. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.